What's up, everybody? Let's spin a little yarn. Uh, I'm doing this one for my couch. I'm trying to get this uh, microphone that I use in the car dialed in, uh, and I'm working with this app a little bit. If you hear my dog jingling, uh, he's on the couch with me, so <laughs> they're both kind of laying down, though, so hopefully they don't interrupt much. Uh, I'm sorry for the gap in content. Um, I It's been incredibly busy at work uh, getting ready to deploy. Uh, it's just been madness, a lot going on. I've, I've got a lot bouncing around in my head, though, so I'm thinking a lot of uh, spin the yarns are to follow kind of pretty close together um, to get all that knocked out. But I got one that hit me pretty hard yesterday that I want to go through, and I actually, funny story, I actually kind of recorded this yesterday on my drive home, and uh, the microphone that I use when I drive, it plugs into my iPhone and the little uh, lightning port where your charger goes, and... Uh, Turns out the whole time I was recording it on my way home, I had my phone charger plugged in and not the microphone. So I'm uh, re-recording what I talked about yesterday. Uh, and what happened with me yesterday was I was a I was what's called a preliminary inquiry officer. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, it's basically the uh, person assigned to do the initial investigation that leads generally leads to NJP or captain's mass. So. Uh, it's it's an E seven or above, and uh, you're assigned to uh, you're assigned by the commanding officer to investigate uh, whatever the allegation is. You know, uh, it's linked to a UCMJ article, and you're looking into uh, what happened. You're gathering evidence, uh, so it can be anything from like uh, you do witness statements, you do read rights, and do the accused statements. You get what's called documentary evidence generally that can be like. A, it could be a blood alcohol test. It could be a, yeah, I don't know, a parking ticket, a statement from uh, like Prims or uh, some kind of logbook or something like that. It can be a lot of different things, but but anyway, the the big picture of what I want to talk about isn't so much the the process of the PIO. It's what happened during this specific event. And so uh, I w I'm not going to get into the particulars of the incident, but. What I ended up with was after I completed all the, the preliminary work, right, where I got through all the witnesses and got the documentary evidence and kind of got a pretty good handle on what uh, what happened, you all, you do the accused last, right? So I brought these two different sailors or two guys uh, involved in this. And one of them was a younger uh, sailor. He's probably been on board maybe a year and a half, two years, younger in his first term, and, and based on what I got from his chief when I talked to him, a pretty motivated guy, a bright future in the Navy, cares a lot about what's going on, um, also cares in a different way because he has a, a new family, just had his first child, and so he's he's got a lot more to lose, it's less important to, to what I'm going with, but it's one of his motivations for being a little more engaged and caring a lot more about his future in the Navy, right? But him being young is key, and him being early on in his in his progression uh, is a key piece of information for what I'm going to talk about. And then the second guy is probably, he's w within a year of separating, which is his intent, right? Been around a little longer, about four years on board, and he's, uh, he's a really bright kid, really intelligent kid, but he's also a really jaded and bitter kid. Uh, I got a, a little bit of, of people implying that there was some something in his past on board that kind of led him down that path. Like he kind of got burned or got a raw deal at some point, and it, it made him a little bit bitter about it. And uh, 
and kind of led him down this path where uh, he doesn't care so much anymore. He's just doing what he's got to do, and he's very eagerly awaiting his DD two fourteen. Like you kind of you kind of know that caricature, right? You kind of have that idea of that person in your head. You see him all over your ship or your unit or whatever. I'm sure. Um, and so they're at these polar opposite points in their careers, where uh, they're just at these different stages of the progression that we see pretty commonly, uh, where you get to this pivot point in your career you get to this point where something happens and you either go down the path of uh, getting bitter and jaded and, and just saying screw this and moving on or generally someone intervenes at some point a strong leader or mentor intervenes and course corrects you at that pivot point and sends you on a different path which is exactly what happened to me it's the only reason I'm here is a chief intervened at that pivot point. I was the bitter, angry guy that came to shore duty to get my culinary degree and clock out, man. Like, I was not there to overachieve. I was not there to get EPE valves and advance and do all this other stuff. I was there to, for the Navy to pay me as a second-class petty officer and have health insurance while I went to culinary school and then clock out. That was it. One of my best friends that I just got to see recently uh, same con- same concept, except he separated, moved on to bigger, better things, you know, and and I didn't in that, as a civilian, I moved on to bigger, better things in the Navy, and the only reason that I stuck around was, was that person that intervened at that critical point that put me on this path to, to stick around and kept what he perceived to be talent in, in a bright future in the Navy, which is important to the Navy as an organization, which I, I know I've talked about before, right? So with these two guys, when I brought them in to interview them, right? I did, I did them last and I brought them in to interview them and, and God, it just hurt my heart, man. It, it, it crushed me to see what I was seeing and what I was seeing was this guy that is at that critical point that's younger in his, in his progression that's at that critical point and I'm, I'm very much hoping that this event and and him being called in and then there's gonna there's gonna be a DRB soon uh, where these guys you know get course corrected by the chiefs mess but I'm, I'm very much hoping that this is that pivot point for him that, that his chief and, and the other chiefs involved and everybody's super engaged and re- very um, very in like focused on the big picture and how it affects them and their progression moving forward and so I ve- I've, I'm very optimistic that this guy is going to get course corrected that the younger guy is going to learn from this experience never want to be in this position again like he came in the room trembling like couldn't keep his voice from shaking like obviously very invested in, in, in his future in the Navy and I think this event and the way that these Chiefs mold it, it it's going to serve him long term right and I think it's going to keep him on the on the straight and narrow and, and keep him in the navy which is what we need this other guy I, i'm very interested to see if i can get involved and and potentially help this dude out but i i, I think he's probably too far gone to keep in the navy i, I i'm not going to stop me from engaging him because maybe it can benefit him long term in life uh and i don't think that's not worth it just because he's getting out uh, or plans to but I just, it breaks my heart to see that guy, the guy that in my conversations about, you know, his character, oh, he's got a bad attitude and he's on his way out and he doesn't care and he's dragging everybody else down around him and, and all these other things. And, and it's like, why? Why is, why is he that guy? 
Why, how, what got us to that point? I, I don't believe for a second anybody comes into this organization to fail. When you go, especially for any of you, and I, and I encourage you to share this experience, any of you that have been at RTC or have been at an A school, everybody, everybody is ready to just, they're, I mean, they're all super hoo-yah, they're all 100% engaged, they're, every single one of them wants to go fight Hitler, man, like, I'm telling you, all of them are motivated, all of them want to succeed, all of them are there to do great things, and we lose that in transition from the training pipeline to the fleet, and why? Why is that? We have this lost generation of just bright, high-functioning kids that really want to be here, that have a lot to offer this, like this millennial generation of, of sailors that are coming in now, and all of them that are coming in are kind of like, not, not all of them so strong generalization, a large portion of them that are coming in, we're going to lose if we allow them to become jaded and bitter and, and, and not fix this at an earlier stage. And, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot where, it, and it links to episode 23, which is the developmental black hole stuff that I don't know that I articulated quite the way I wanted to. I think I was kind of still wrapping my mind around it and digesting it and getting getting to where I wanted to with that point. But I think this, this generation of kids coming in now has so much to offer, but I don't think leadership is currently equipped to develop them the way they need to be developed to retain them, to keep them around, to be our replacements. They are not equipped to develop these kids in the way that we need to because I know my generation of, of leaders, the ones that I worked for and the ones I currently work with, are not as inclined to explain the why as they should be. Uh, I know a lot of, of people wearing khakis to work that think that by virtue of them being in the leadership position that they're in, because I told you to or because I said so is enough. And it's not. And and there are times where it has to be, where I don't have time to explain it to you, but by virtue of me explaining the why most of the time, these kids have an understanding of what we're doing, the overarching mission, you know, what the, whatever the end goal is, the why behind most of what I do, and that senior's got the big picture, he's got the plan, so I can trust him and pull the trigger on this and go forward without having that debate, right? But we talk about, it's it's a cliche or just this generalization applied to this millennial generation that they always wanna ask why and they're always trying to, to you know argue the point or debate the point and it's like maybe they're just trying to understand the point. Maybe they just wanna understand why. Maybe just like everybody, they're programmed to wanna know why they're doing something, not because they're questioning you, but because they wanna they wanna know what they're doing means something. They want that sense of ownership. They wanna feel like they're contributing. And if we don't explain that why, how are they gonna have buy-in? How are they gonna take ownership of that process? How are they gonna feel like they're contributing to the mission? They, they can't, they don't know what the hell they're doing. The only thing they have is because you said so, right? And if you don't build that rapport, if you don't make them understand that why, they're not gonna respect you as a leader. And so you, because you said so means nothing to them. 
And so what do you get? You get people that aren't responding to you. You get people that aren't producing. And you get people, you get these kids, that these bright, high-functioning kids that get jaded, they get bitter, they have no sense of ownership, they have no buy-in, and they move on. Because why stay here when they can go somewhere else and get that job satisfaction? Where they can go somewhere else and be rewarded with that sense of accomplishment? with that sense of ownership, which with feeling like they're making a difference. And you can give that to them. You, it's easy. You take the time to explain the why. You take the time to make them understand what piece is theirs, why it's theirs, how it contributes to the overall uh, goal, right? And by taking the time to do that, and by a lot of other peripheral processes, which quality of service is a topic that's coming up, uh, a, a mentor of mine uh, kind of coined that phrase of, of quality of service and it's something that I feel like there are so many problems that are just symptoms of a bigger problem which quality of service will tackle that concept but there's so many symptoms of that bigger problem that we try to address by addressing the symptoms and it's not going to fix the problem these kids are going to continue to roll out and leave this talent deficit because we're not doing what we need to to keep them around and retain them and develop them into our reliefs uh and, and i'm not attacking in, in any way shape or form deck plate leadership right i'm not i'm not saying that the second class petty officers right the work center supervisors and lpos the chiefs out there that are out there killing it are are at fault you're not you're absolutely not. You're overwhelmed. You're, the Navy is not putting you in a position to do those things because like we talked about in Developmental Black Hole, that, that leadership education and development is not there in the way that it needs to be to equip you to do those things. It's not there in the way that it needs to be to equip these junior sailors to develop and be retained, right? For them to be able to even receive it, for them to seek it out, for them to do what they need to be doing to professionally and 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 personally develop, it's not, the, the construct and the resources aren't there. And it can't solely be on those first line leaders. It, it, it's because the right now, the only ones that, that get corrected at that critical pivot point, at that just tipping point in their career, in, their, in that first term, where that sailor is making the decision whether or not it's worth it to stick around, the only ones that ever do stick around are the ones that have a really compelling reason to do so. And a lot of times, the single people, like the like, a lot of times it's out of a sense of responsibility to family. Sometimes it's a financial thing, uh, and, and we all know that the kind of basic reasons first termers reenlist. But to keep those talented individuals around, the ones that are prepared to separate, that are willing to separate, to take the risk and just move on and go to college and go do other things, to keep the really talented, high functioning individuals around, the only way they stick around is when someone intervenes, when a really strong leader has developed them, has taken care of them, or has intervened before it went too far and and made them understand, explained the why, you know, developed them into uh, someone that is going to stick around and is going to replace me and replace you. Uh, I, I really strongly believe that, um, that that is something that we need to do better at or we're going to lose a lot of those people. I, like I said, so so quality of service is the way that I'm going to attack addressing this further and kind of explaining more of the things um, that I see and feel about how we correct this issue. But I'm also very interested to hear from you guys. This has already gone a little long, so I'm going to try to wrap it up now. But uh, 
I would love to hear from you about what you think the problems are because there's a very good chance I'm missing something. But uh, quality of service is something that I'm really passionate about uh, as, a, as a concept. And I'll explain that conceptually in that episode when I get to it. Uh, I might try to interview that mentor as well to get his, his perspective on it because he's where I got it from and he's very passionate about it. And he, he has applied it at a CMC level on a USS ship and it worked let me tell you what man i've never seen anything like it and as i've explained it to senior leaders that i work with i they look at me like i'm talking to them about like a fairy tale like i'm quoting cinderella they're like oh yeah that sounds real good but it'll never work and i'm like i've seen it work i've seen it work it works i'm telling you so i'm trying you know trying to sell people on it and a lot of people think it sounds really great uh, but are, may not be in the position to affect it. And a lot of people that are in the position to affect that kind of change don't believe in it. And so it's something that I, I, I'm hoping uh, can get up to a higher level at some point uh, and be understood to be the way that we should be doing business because the be- the benefits are so, so deep and far-reaching and, and can do so much good for our force overall. Uh, that's all I'm going to do for today. Thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks for being patient with me with the content. Uh, more to come. Uh, I've got a little bit of time off right now, but it's going to get crazier and crazier. I'm hoping to queue up uh, some stuff to release while I'm gone. Um, I, you won't know when I'm gone other than I won't be responding to things. Uh, so uh, obviously, I mean, just OPSEC and all, I can't I can't say when I'm rolling out, but hopefully I can figure out a way to uh, schedule the release of some content while I'm gone. And then I will obviously be working on a ton of things uh, while I'm on deployment, while while time permits. So I think I'll come back with a whole bunch of content and good stuff. So, uh, So with that, thanks for listening, and don't give up the ship.